Hey, everybody, how are we doing this morning? God bless you. What a time of worship. Man, he so deserves our praise and our worship. And man, we are so, again, thankful that you are here. And Renee and I, man, we are just uh, so grateful. Even the pregame, right? This is just the pregame before VBS. And uh, the pregame, we are so thankful as what God is doing here and the volunteers that are so creative that are just genius in how they create, how they put together. Uh, so thankful for just so many hands. I can't even explain how many hands it takes to put something like this on to the level that it's at. And we are just kind of blown away, man. It's just awesome. And I just find myself even this week, even this morning, just in a place of gratitude and being so grateful for so many people, so many people that bring this thing together and make this place what it is. You know what I mean? I'm thankful for you, Renee Obergefell. Give me some smooch. Okay. Love you. What do you got, girl? What do you got? Come on. Amen. We are so thankful that you are all here today. Praise God. It's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord. And we just are so thankful for this week and VBS Vacation Bible School. And we are thankful for all of our volunteers. We just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And especially to Dave and Don who have worked tirelessly. They've been here literally night and day and just making this place look fantastic for the kids. And we just are so excited that God has called us to be ambassadors here in this area of only in New York so that we can spread the gospel, okay? And so we want you to just join us in prayer this week because we want just the number of kids to be multiplied who come and know the Lord. And so will you please join us this week that we will just pray and see that God is gonna bring kids from all over this area and that they will hear the good news of truth and be saved and be born again. So please help us to pray this week and we will all be in agreement to what God is able to do because he said he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think or believe according to the power that we're in us for the church to his glory through all generations. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we just want to pray over this. You know, we are about the Father's business. We are about his kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, and his will is that all men be saved. So we are praying for salvation this week. And please just keep praying every single day. Let that be on the top of your prayer list. Lord, that you would bring salvation to every single child that hears the good news. How will they know it? Unless they hear it. So they're going to hear it this week. You can be assured of that. So let's just pray and ask the Lord to bless. We thank you, Father. Father, that God, you're going to move in our midst. We thank you, Lord, that you've called us to be ambassadors, Father, that we are about your business, Father, that we are going to see so many kids come out this week, Lord. We thank you for all our volunteers, Lord. We thank you for everyone here today, Lord, that you would pour out blessing on them, Lord, and that God, you would just strengthen and prosper the work of each and every hand, Father God, that comes to VBS this week, Lord, in every area, the teachers, God, that you would bless them, their mind of Christ concerning every child, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the snacks, the crafts, the games, every single part, Lord. We thank you for the creative people, Lord God, that are part of your church right here, Lord, that are all working together to see your kingdom come and your will be done. So Lord, we just thank you and praise you for what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, baby. Praise the Lord. Come on. Hey, if you can open up, please, uh, Romans chapter 6, please. Romans chapter 6. Um, as we continue in our series on the marks of a mature believer. Like, man, I want us to walk in discipleship. I want us growing in our faith. I want us to continue to mature no matter how long you have truly been born again and saved and set free that we continue to walk in a pattern of maturity. Like as we open up and as we started this series, there's kind of three levels to this. Those who are unsaved, those who are, uh, have rejected truth and rejected Christ and rejected salvation, there's that level. Uh, and then there's the newly saved that are, are immature and growing. The Bible talks about getting off of the milk and onto the meat, right? And it talks about newborn babes need milk. And then there's this growth that takes place. And then we are on to the meat. And uh, like, so there's that level, the new believer. Uh, and then there's the mature believer that, ye, that yet isn't home, but yet continuously growing. And you're, you're taking this series and you're saying, okay, the marks of a mature believer, and we've gone through several. We're gonna hit it again today. We're gonna hit it hard today. We're gonna go deep in, in the revelation of what, what sin is to you personally. 
that the reality is this. One of the marks of a mature believer is that it's never okay to be okay with sin. Please hear me. Write that down. It's never okay to be okay with sin. It's not that it's, it's never okay to sin. That's, that's not the issue for all of sin. We get that. Like it's, it's not that it's never okay to sin because we sin. And then we ask God to forgive, and he forgives his children. It's beautiful. But it's never okay to be, watch this, to be okay with sin. To see sin, affirm it, okay it, high five it. Like that's not okay for any believer, let alone a mature believer knows, okay, I identify evil and I turn away from it. Okay, I can see sin. I'm going to call it sin and I'm not going to okay sin. I'm not going to affirm sin. I'm going to call it sin and I'm not going to okay it. Like there's so much to this. Listen, church, if you get this and if you understand, I am a born again believer in Jesus Christ. I 100% fully believe that this is real and this is true. That God by his spirit reigns and dwells within me and I am not like the world. I am not like the world. I now beat to a new drum, which I'm a new creature in Christ. I now have to follow and obey his word. I have to see things differently because I am not of this world. I'm not like this world. I have to see things different from this world and I'm not okay with sin. Not that we don't sin, but you can't be okay with it. You can't affirm sin. This is where we're going today. Man, I want you to hear this and I want you to understand that as a mature believer in our discipleship and as we're growing in walking with Christ, there is this level to say, no, that's sin and I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with it in my own life. We repent and he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sin and cleanse us in all unrighteousness. It's amazing, right? This is God. He loves us. He forgives us. He cleanses us. First John 1 is to the church, is to the children of God. So even in us as children of God, we sin and you can't be okay with that. And we go to repent from it and God blesses us in forgiveness. Incredible, right? But in this world, a believer can never be okay with sin. And we have to see that biblically. We're going to get into this in the scriptures. I want you to see this, that sin is a big deal, right? Sin is a big deal. And when you realize there's bad news and then there's good news and then there's a reality check. This is what we're hitting today. The bad news, the good news, the reality check, right? The bad news, the good news, the reality check. Bad news is this, right? The wages of sin is death. Romans says this, the wages of sin is death. Okay, got it. Wages of sin is death. Got it. Okay, uh, death because of sin we, equals death. Understand. Okay, the, the worst news is this, for all have sinned. <laughs> like, okay, hold on. So the wages of sin is death. That means forever separated from God. So there's this, this sin that equals death. I got it. Bad news. The worst news is for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, so sin equals death, and I fall, I fall under that. Yes, every person who's ever breathed falls under the wages of sin is death, and falls under fall of sin and falls short of the glory of God. That's the bad news. The good news is this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth on him shall not perish, that's that death, shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. That's the good news. The good news is God loved the world. The bad news is sin. The good news is God loves you. The solution is Jesus. Jesus is the answer to the bad news. Jesus already came. He already took the hit for you and me, put himself on that cross as punishment that the wrath of God was poured out on his son so it wouldn't have to be poured out on you and I if we would come to repent and believe in Jesus, confess our sins to Christ, and know what it means to, to confess that he is Lord and master and supreme. Like in all of this, bad news, sin. Good news, God loves you. The solution to all of it is Jesus on a cross. High five, I get it. The reality check is this. It's for those who reject truth, there will be judgment. And there will be punishment. See, we, we, we so often, and it's a beautiful thing and it's right to do so, we so often talk about God is love and God is love and God is love and God is love and we talk about his grace, we talk about his mercy, we talk about his kindness that leads to repentance. But so many times we, we don't balance it out to say, yes, God is love and yes, God is good and yes, God is kind and yes, God is grace. But we miss that God is also judge. 
And there is a reality check that needs to be talked about in the maturity and discipleship of believers to say, no, there is grace and there is forgiveness and I am a child of God and I am not like this world. I'm not of this world. I am saved and I'm born again. But I also know for those who don't know Christ, for those who've rejected truth, the reality check is there's also judgment. And when you get before the great white throne, there is the judge and there is the one person who has rejected Jesus. There's no jury. There's no opinions. Like, like there's, no, there's no parole. There's no probation. There's God who will give perfect, perfect, perfect judgment. And it's eternal. And that is a result of sin. And that's a result of the rejection of Christ. See, sin is the issue, but sin has already been dealt with. Now it's for those who reject that which dealt with it. Now it's those who reject truth that are going to be judged. So here, today is kind of one of those days like, okay, let's kind of get into this. Let's, let's see where we're at with, with, with how we view sin, like as a mark of maturity, an immature believer may say, okay, yes, I know that I'm safe from sin. I, I, I have to have an understanding of what it means to repent. Like when you understand the term repent, so many people say, oh, that just means a 180 degree from sin. I was sinning, I repented, I'm no longer sinning. That, that's not accurate. That, that's accurate to the result of understanding what repentance means. That's the fruit of it. But repentance literally means to change your mind towards sin. To, like, if I know that this is sin, if I, watch this now, watch this, if I've truly repented, that means I've changed my mind towards sin, therefore I can't be okay with it. And if I'm not okay with it, then I do my 180 and walk away from it. Right, so, so first you understand, okay, good news, bad news, sin, yes, all of sin. Ah, that's hard, that stinks, that's bad, that's, that's damnation for all eternity. The good news is God gave us solution because God loves us. The solution is Jesus, amazing, that's incredible. But if we truly, as believers, those who are truly born again, Jesus said, repent and believe. John the Baptist said, repent and believe. Peter said, repent and believe. Paul said, repent and believe. It's the message, church. It's the message. In order to truly be born again, you have to change your mind towards sin. And when I have changed my mind towards sin, it's never okay to be okay with sin because I know that sin is the issue. I know that sin is the issue. And I can't be okay with the issue that causes death. So true repentance is that when you change your mind towards sin, then you do your 180 and you're able to walk away from it. But the true definition of repentance is to change your mind. So if you would look at me, please, right here in Romans chapter 6, I want you to see this. Verse one, it says this, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Like this is, this is an, an incredible statement. See, this is, this is a, a portion of scripture where they were abusing grace. There's grace and his grace is amazing. Unearned, undeserved. God's kindness, his love, his favor, all wrapped up in grace, which we can't earn and we don't deserve. Sin equals death. We deserve death, but it's by grace, God's grace, which is amazing, which is deep, which is enough for us to understand what it is that he loves us. His favor is on us. His kindness is towards me. His grace is amazing. And then we can uh, take advantage of his grace. So if I sin more, I get to experience his grace more. And it says this, verse two, may it never be. Your version may say, certainly not. See, we have to, we have to get real with the issue. We have to get real with the issue of sin. 
we have to understand the reality of our enemy. Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is a liar and he is the father of lies. He is the greatest deceiver of all time. And church, when you look at sin today and you look at the the issues of sin even in our own lives, you cannot be okay with it. We can't affirm it. We can't agree with it. The enemy loves it when we just play games with sin. Like we just play games with it. Like we, like we have the right to okay someone's sin. Really. Like it's, it's amazing that, that we think we have the right to say, ah, that's no big deal, or I'm okay with that, or I can affirm that. You have no right to do that when you understand the reality of sin. When you understand that sin is a huge Bible issue. Because it's big, where in the very beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, where, where was the enemy, right? Where was Satan as that serpent, as that deceiver? And did God really say? You think his tricks and his schemes and his lies have changed? Today's day, we hear it so loud. Ah, did God really say? And I love we're right here in Romans 6. What shall then, shall we say? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or we who died to sin, we recognize sin. How do we okay it? How do we affirm it? See, the mature believer recognizes, ah, sin isn't okay. And I can't okay sin. Come on, Psalm 97, verse 10, please. Psalm 97, verse 10. Again, there's the bad news, sin. There's the good news, God loves you. The solution with the good news is Jesus. And then the reality check is judgment's coming. And when you, when you see, as a, as a believer, you, we're gonna see a few things here. We're gonna go through several, uh, several pieces of scripture that we, I want us to, to have an understanding on this that we, we have a, the right answer to today's day. We want to have the right answer of what it is to see evil and hate evil. To be able to see sin, identify sin and say, I can't be okay with that. I don't care what the world thinks. I'm not of this world. I don't care what the government thinks. Ah, they're not my king. Like you have to get this. I don't care what the school's pushing. Ah, that, that's, I can't be okay with sin. Church, what happens when you look at just the simplicity of Psalm 97, verse 10, and it just simply says this, hate evil, you who love the Lord. Hate evil, you who love the Lord. When you identify sin and you identify a work of the enemy, we are called to hate evil. We don't fight against uh, flesh and blood. We fight against principalities. We fight against a very real enemy in Satan and his demons and his angels. Like this is the principality. This is who we fight against. Uh, he uses people. Watch this. He uses governments. Watch this. He can use different schools and different things and different things of this world. He can use all of that if you let things creep in. But watch this now. We're called to not hate people. We're called to hate evil. And we're called to hate sin. For those who what? For those who love the Lord. We don't beat to this world's drum. We are called out. We have been sanctified by truth. Sanctified means set apart for holiness. Church, what happens when you see, I am a sanctified, born again, spirit-filled believer in Jesus Christ. I know that I am born again. I know that God loves me. God dealt with my sin issue on that cross. I am going to hate evil because I love him. Like, where is this in us today. That is a mark of the mature believer that you see evil and you're not okay with it. 
You see sin, you're not okay with it. You see sin in your own life, and you're not okay with it. Okay, watch this. Hear me, please. When you have sin in your life, and you're okay with it, it's just going to get worse. It's just going to get worse. Because sin is hungry. And sin has an appetite. And when you open the door just a little bit to sin, it's going to keep eating. And it's going to keep eating. And it's going to keep eating. So even as a believer, it's not the sins of everybody else. It's, man, I can't be okay with sin in my own life. Again, it, it's not that I don't sin. I can't be okay with my sin. When we know that there is sin in our life, we are called to repent. We are called to confess our sin. And he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9 is to the church. That's to me and that's to you. In our sin, which we can't be okay with, we're called to confess. He is faithful. He is righteous. He will forgive us. And he will cleanse us. That's a promise. That's a promise. But the problem is this, is when you become lukewarm and you, and you allow sin into your life and you become okay with it in your own life, it will eat and it will eat and it will eat and it will eat. And then you will look back sometime from now and you will have no idea where you're at and you'll have no idea how you got there. How did I get this far? Church, what happens when you realize that we truly are in a fallen world? What happens when you see people, people need Jesus? People need Jesus. Jesus is the only answer, and Jesus is the only hope. When I was, had the privilege of working the, uh, the Allegheny Carnival this weekend, saw many of you. It was awesome. I was able to work Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. I still work as a, a police officer for Allegheny. I love it. Great village. But man, you just, you just saw just kind of the brokenness of people. And it wasn't even from outside appearance. It was from those who know I'm pastor. And for those, honestly, they would come up to me Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. People would, people would come up to me and just begin to, begin to cry and tell me their story. And listen, I don't know if that was the alcohol talking, but it was like, I'm just saying. Um, but I'm in uniform, but they know my true calling and position is in this church. Hey, you're the pastor of that church. Well, yes, I am. And honestly, man, my heart was breaking because you just see people are just lost. And people are so broken. And people are so hurting. And people are so confused. Jesus is the answer. And we have a very real enemy in Satan. He loves all of this. He eats all of this. He searches for this like a lion who wants to destroy. That's his game. Sin destroys. Sin separates us from God. You see it all around church. We cannot be okay with sin. We cannot affirm sin. You who love the Lord are called to hate evil. Look at Psalm 97 verse 10 again. Hate evil, you who love the Lord who preserves the souls of his godly ones, who delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Church, I, I love where we can, we can truly see this. Come on, Psalm 101, please. Just one page over. Psalm 101, verse 3. 101, verse 3. And, and this, is, this is for us that we would, we would understand this and we would see this. What if we put this into practice, right? Psalm 101, verse 3, we put this into practice. It says this, I will set no worthless things before my eyes. I will set no worthless things before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. I shall not, it shall not fasten its grip on me. 
it shall not fasten its grip on me. Listen, I, I, I understand this. I, I love Jesus. I walk in a way that, that's worthy of him. This is our hope as believers. I'm not going to put any worthless thing before my eyes. I know that if I just give sin just a little bit, it's hungry. If I okay sin in my life, then that is my downfall. I'm not going to know, I'm not going to be able to recognize who I am eventually if I allow sin unchecked into my own life. Man, I'm not going to allow any worthless thing before my eyes. I hate those who fall away, those who've accepted these worthless things, those who've accepted sin, those who are okay with sin, those who now reject Christ. I don't want anything to do with them. I want to keep my way far from them. Come on, Proverbs 16 with me, please. Just keep going, keep going. Proverbs is the next book, Psalms, Proverbs, chapter 16. And we're just gonna go to several verses because, man, I, we have to know the balance of this thing. We have to know, yes, I am born again. Yes, I am different. Let's, as a mature believer, I identify sin and I stay away from it. As a mature believer, one who's walking in wisdom, I can see sin and, and I'm supposed to flee. I'm supposed to turn away from immorality. I'm supposed to turn away from sin. Man, I can't okay it. I'm supposed to flee from it. I can't okay it. I'm supposed to identify it. I'm supposed to turn myself away from it, not have anything to do with it. This is a mark of a mature believer. Come on, Proverbs 16, verse 6. It says this. By the loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, and by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. And by the fear of the Lord, that reverence, that respect, that healthy and that holy fear of God. Church, what is it as a believer to have that healthy fear of God? To realize God is all powerful. God is almighty. God knows everything I think. God knows everything I say. God has been behind me. He has been besides me. He goes before me. God, the creator of all things. I walk in this holy and this healthy reverence and respect and fear of God. And when we do that, what does it say? It keeps us away from evil. Why? Because I know the perspective of God. I'm a mature believer. I know how grand and majestic and splendor God is, that he is great and he knows all things. And in my reverence of him, Hebrews 10, 31 simply just says this. It's an amazing, just soul-shaking verse that says it's a terrifying thing to fall in the hands of the living God. What? Why? What do you mean terrifying thing? He's love. He's grace. He's kindness. Oh, he's good. What do you mean it's a terrifying thing to fall in the lands of the living God? Balance. He's also judge. He's holy. And he's judging sin. And he will dish out punishment for sin. Yeah, but he's love and he's grace and he's mercy and he's kind. Yes. But it's a terrifying thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Yeah, but like we go into this back and forth, the mature believer has balance. The mature believer knows, yes, he's loved. That's why I'm saved, because he loves me. His grace, I'm saved by his grace. I don't deserve it, but man, I'm amazed that Jesus died for me. I get it. I deserve death because of my sin. And balance is this. But I know the fear of God and the reverence of God and the respect that I have for God. And because of that, I know sin and I'm called to stay away from sin because I know that it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for, but by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. Come on, Proverbs 14, please. Again, church, are we mature in this? Like, do we see the battle for today? Do we see the reality of, of immaturity just wanting to take over? We see the reality of that immature believers or those who don't even know Christ have an acceptance to immorality today. Have an acceptance to sin today. 
Well, Proverbs 14, verse 16, it just says this, a wise man is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is arrogant and careless. A wise man is cautious and turns away from evil. Listen, we, we had a series on James, talked a lot about wisdom and understanding wisdom, the need for wisdom, the desire for wisdom, praying for wisdom, asking God for wisdom. And the Bible just simply, again, in, in the book of wisdom, which is Proverbs, love Proverbs, it's the wise who are cautious. No, wait a minute. Uh, red flag. No, red flag. No, that's sin. Uh, I understand that sin. I need to stay away from sin. Parents, we got to know this for our kids today. Parents, we need to know this for our teenagers today, for our college students today, of what they're up against in today's day, in this land today. That if they're walking a wisdom as a mature believer in Christ, I know the bad news is sin. I know the good news is God love for me and the solution is Jesus. And if I'm walking wise, man, I, I'm careful. I don't play games with sin. No, I'm going to walk away from sin. Because a fool is arrogant and careless. And then you see in verse 34, Proverbs 14, same chapter, verse 34. Righteousness exalts a nation. I want you to see something. Like God is very much about borders. I'm not going to get into the whole border debauchery of today. But like God is for borders. When you see Old Testament, he was like, hey, listen, don't let people cross here. Don't go over in that land. God is about borders. And God's about nations. Right? God is about nations. And God is the one who separated nations for his purpose and for his glory. The United States of America started so strong in a constitution that was very Bible-driven, that was very God-glorifying, that was very God-centered in this nation. And this nation has been blessed. I believe that it is the greatest nation. I'm excited to live in the United States of America. I am excited to be called an American. But I am, I am sad that sin has taken a root in this nation. And people have just seemed to be okay with it. Church, if we don't think for a moment that God's judgment will come to America, if it hasn't already, we're not going in the right direction. We have a president who has this sexual immoral party on his front lawn for the LGBTQ. That, that is just not okay. Church, like, like that's not okay. The President of the United States has this sexual party on his front lawn to celebrate sin. But watch this. Righteousness exalts a nation. We're not there, church. But sin is a disgrace to any people. If it's a nation that stands on that which is right, it will be blessed. If it's a nation that allows sin, it will be disgraced. Church, we live in an age and in a season that we, we allow sin to be celebrated in our streets. We are forced, forced to affirm someone's confusion, whether they're male or female. If you don't call me that, like we're, they want to force us to affirm their sin. It's never okay to be okay with sin. I can't mock God. But church, that's just a sign of maturity. When you see today's day, and there's a lot of immoral sins. You hear it from this pulpit. If you're living together before marriage, that is sin. If you come to us and say, hey, uh, we want to get married, you fill out a piece of paper. If your addresses are the same, you get a call from me. Hey, you guys living together. Well, there's always a financial excuse. No, generally, no, no joke. Like that's just, it's usually for money's sake. Okay, well, let's sit down and talk about it. And we sit down, we have a real conversation. And some of them are like, well, we're just not gonna change. Well, we're not gonna marry you, have a good day. Like, or, or many of them truly hear what's truth and they respond to it going, you know what? We will make arrangements and we will not be in the same bed again until marriage whether that's a trailer, whether that's a camper, whether that's whatever that looks like. If there's kids in the picture, we have a really good, graceful conversation on that. Like there's, that we, we can't be okay with that. 
If you're having sex before marriage, that's sin. That's it. We're called to flee sexual immorality. Church, like it would be kind of crazy if we said, hey, listen, we're going to have adultery month. Like, hey, let's have a parade for all those committing adultery. Let's high five it. Let's celebrate it. Let, let's just, we just think this is a great idea to celebrate adultery for a month. This will be one. Church, you don't even have to be born again that your spouse is going to say, get out. Like, that is not a good idea. Like, that ain't right. We're not going to celebrate adultery for a, a month. And we're not going to affirm. No, it's fine. Like, listen, good for you. You do whatever you want to do. If you want to sleep around on your wife, high five, bro. You go for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to affirm that for you. You might get a call from the wife saying, you shut up and don't talk to my husband ever, ever again. But church, we're in a day and age where the world that is led by the enemy in his deception and in his lies, don't ever, don't ever, don't, don't ever downplay the power of Satan. We know as believers, greater is he was in me than he was in the world. I get that. But, but, but you, can't, you, you can't downplay that he is the greatest liar and he is the greatest deceiver. And please hear me, there have been so many, please hear me, so many in this LGBTQ movement that have bought into the lie of the enemy. And I ask you this, where's the church? Not in a place to, to, to be angry or harsh, but where, where is the church to say, no, that's sin. You, you bought into a lie. That's not okay. And, and, and if you want to demand that I affirm that, I can't do that because I'm not of this world and this government is not my king. And church, what happens when you realize, okay, there's the immaturity level that just maybe, maybe we've okayed sin. We need to grow out of that and say, no, no, wait, wait a minute. I, I, I want to stay away from sin. No, I'm called to hate sin because I know what it cost. Jesus left heaven, put himself on the cross to deal with sin. How can I be okay with it? How can I accept it? Church, you and I are called to be salt and light. We're called to be holy as he's holy. We're called to be sanctified. That means we're set apart for holiness. Where are we that, that God Almighty's plan was you and I to be salt and to be light and to not be okay with sin? I can't be okay with sin. I can't affirm it. I can't agree with it. I can't high five it. Why? Because I love you. Because I know the judgment's coming. I know the bad news is sin. I know the good news is God's love you. The solution is Jesus. But the reality check is this. If you reject all of that, then God is going to judge. And we can't play games with sin. We can't play games with sin. And church, one of the big lies of the enemy that has been from Genesis 3 on is did God really say? Eve, did, did, is that what he meant? Is that what he really said? And it hasn't changed. Again, we don't fight against flesh and blood. The enemy is trying to sell more lies, even Bible. Well, God didn't say that homosexuality is a sin. Actually, he did. Sodom and Gomorrah kind of blew it up. Like, they, they want to make, oh, that was about hospitality. Uh, God didn't blow up Sodom and Gomorrah because you didn't get a cup of coffee. No, that's because the men wanted to rape these other men and it was throughout the whole Sodom and Gomorrah and God said, enough, lie, get your family out. Bang, blew it up. And that is because of homosexuality. Well, did God really say, ah, he did. He says in Leviticus, he says in 1 Timothy, he says it in 1 Corinthians, he says it in Jude. We can go on, it's a gross immorality. Like this isn't that complicated, but again, it's not, we don't fight against man. This is a lie from ancients. And ah, did God really say, God is not the God of confusion. This transgender, listen, this is the most simple, simple, simple thing. God created male and female. We are different. It is not confusing. Church, we can't be okay or affirm sin 
because we know that God will judge. Yes, God's a God of grace. Yes, God is a God of mercy. Yes, God is good. And it it is kindness that leads men to repent. For the truth of those who reject that, there will be the wrath of God. And we're called to love. And we're called to have grace. But we're called to stand firm on truth. And if you allow just a little bit of sin, the enemy will continue to eat. His appetite will grow. As you've seen here in America, we've allowed a little bit of sin in years and years and years ago with taking God out of schools, taking God out of the courtroom, taking God out of teaching, people taking God out of church. And you see that America is now desperately confused. Come on, John 3, please. Church, I want us to know that if, if, if we're truly if we're truly going to be a mature believer, there, there is a very real balance to this. There's a very real understanding. I'm not of this world. I'm called to love and I'm called to have grace and I'm called to have truth, but I have to understand that God is judge. And if I love people, then I can't be okay with sin. If I understand repentance, again, back to the beginning, if I have truly repented, as Jesus says, as John says, as Peter says, as Paul says, clearly, 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 repent, believe. The issue is sin. Change my mind to the issue. And if I have changed my mind to the issue, then I can't be okay with sin. In John 3.36, we know John 3.16, but we also need to know John 3.36. It says this, For he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. We've seen the wrath of God through Sodom and Gomorrah. We've seen the wrath of God through the flooding of the earth in Genesis 6. And we've seen, we've seen where God in Old Testament, he punished sin. And his wrath was poured out on Egypt, even on his own people for rebelling and rejecting. And we see God flood the earth to save a family of eight because wickedness was just in the heart of every man. And God's wrath destroyed everyone. And God gave us this amazing symbol in the sky called the rainbow. Church, this rainbow was designed and created by God as a promise, as a covenant. That he will never judge the earth by water again. But church, we have to be reminded that he did judge the earth because of sin. Isn't it just like the enemy to take that which God created so beautifully that we see in the sky and make it a symbol of sin and make it a symbol of dancing in the streets and make it a symbol of that which is opposite of God's plan for male and female. This is the enemy's plan. We, 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 come on, we have to wake up to understand God created the rainbow as this beautiful symbol of his covenant that he will never judge the earth by water again. I promise you he will judge the earth again and it will be by fire. But he said, I will never flood the earth again by water. What a, what a promise. But church, it also has to be a reminder that he did, which means he can, which means he will again by fire for sin. And amazing that the enemy took that. Now you see it hanging on people's houses that affirm a sinful lifestyle that affirm what's soon going to be uh, pedophilia where now you see it now creeping into children 
You, you see this grooming of children in this LGBTQ. You see it through Target. You see it through the stores. You see it through clothing. You see it with, with this flag that, that hangs on houses. Oh, this flag that hangs on churches that affirm. Church is never okay. As a mature follower of Christ, to be okay with sin. And if you're, if you're newly saved and you're like, ah, I need to hear this. I need to grow in my faith, man. I'm so glad for this series. I've heard some great things about this series from you guys. I appreciate that. But it's like, this is one of those areas that is now, watch this, is now so much in your faith. It's, it's sleep together all you want. Live together all you want. Hey, if you're, if you're homosexual, that's great. The Bible doesn't really mean that. No, it actually, it actually does. It says it over and over. Romans 1 and Jude is about as clear as you can get in the New Testament. We need to grow disciples. You and I are called to be unashamed of the gospel for the sake of people. People need Jesus. People need truth. Come on, I got a minute, please. Revelation, please. Revelation chapter 20. excited that this ship is on the stage because I'm looking at it this morning, even in worship. And I'm like, God, I got to, one of the messages in the marks of a mature believer is that you know your mission. A mature believer, I know my mission. And with this boat or this ship, not a boat, with this ship on stage, I'm like, we're not going to take that down just yet because I'm going to preach from Jonah. <laughs> I am. I'm going to preach from Jonah in two weeks. You got Breakaway Sunday next Sunday. In two weeks from today, I'm preaching on Jonah that we need to know uh, our mission. So the, the ship is staying. And I was so excited that that was just in my heart in the moment. I ran upstairs to Jamie Reiner. He's our, he's our organizer for skits and stuff. And I'm like, in two weeks, and he's busy. I'm like, dude, in two weeks, we're going to do a skit on Jonah. Prepare. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> It was amazing. That's how it rolls here. But in two weeks, we're going to have a little drama and uh, we're going to preach on Jonah because a mature believer knows his mission. And I'm like, we're going to use this ship. Who knows? Maybe I'll go into Paul's missionary journeys on a ship. I don't know how long the ship is going to stay, but it's going to be here for a little bit. And I'm juiced about it because it took a lot of work and a lot of time and a big investment. And uh, the, the ship truly is Matt Cobb's genius. And he's the one who put this thing together. And uh, whatever happens in that man's head and creativity, we are a benefit of that. So uh, it's going to hang with us for a little bit. It'll be fun. We're going to throw somebody over here. Onto, it's going to be an incredible skit. I don't know who's getting tossed yet, but someone's getting tossed out of the boat. It's going to be incredible. Yeah. Amen. Come on, I'm in Revelation 3. I need us in Revelation 20 because we got to fly. We got only a minute here. I want you to see this again. Because we know that God is good and we know that God is gracious and we know that God is love and we know that God is kind, but the mature believer functions from this place of balance. I don't serve this world. I'm not going to play the games that this world wants me to play. I can't be okay with sin because sin equals death and that is led by the lie and the deceiver himself, which is Satan. And we need to protect our children from this lie of the LGBTQ. We need to protect our children from this transition lie of the transgender. We need to protect our children from what the enemy, again, we don't fight against flesh and blood, from what the enemy is pushing. The enemy uses people. The enemy uses government. The enemy uses everything and anyone that he can. And church, where are we? To say, no, I'm salt. Salt preserves. No, I'm called to be light because I'm going to expose darkness. And I'm called to walk in balance as a mature believer, as a disciple of Christ. Because I realize just the reality of the balance is that God will judge. It's our responsibility that God has given us to build disciples, to speak truth, that we will see so many come out of the domain of darkness and into his marvelous light.
He does the work. But church, we're his mouthpiece. We're his mouthpiece to speak truth and to stand against evil and wickedness. Because we know that Revelation 20 verse 11 is truth. And it says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and he who sat on it from those those present on the earth and in heaven fled away. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead and the great and the small standing before the throne. And the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea was given up the dead. And in it, death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And this is the second death, the lake of fire. Watch this. And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Church, this is that final judgment that is going to take place as the wrath of God for those who bought into the lie, for those who've rejected truth. Yes, God is good. Yes, he is kind. Yes, he is love. But he's also the judge who gives the final judgment without opinion, without prosecution, without a jury. He gives perfect judgment for those who've rejected truth. Hey, come on, if you would just stand to your feet, please. We're not going to close in a song today, but I want to ask you, man, do you know Christ? Like, do you know Jesus? You know what? We are going to close in the song. Okay. Who's here today? Tracy, come on out here, please. No, because I want you to get this, man. I want you to have a moment here. Because I don't know where you're at in regards to maybe you don't know Jesus or maybe you, you bought into some fluff message. And you didn't really understand what it means to truly understand sin and to change my mind towards it. Or maybe you are just got saved, but yet you're like, okay, no, this is real. Like, this is serious. I can't be okay with sin. I got to see the immorality of today and I've got to turn away from it. I I can't affirm it. I can't okay it. I got to turn away from it. I got to call sin, sin. But my encouragement to you today is if you don't know Christ, that in this moment, as, as Tracy is singing, that you would just say, Lord, I'm in. Forgive me of my sin. In this moment, Jesus, I know that you are truly the King of Kings. Jesus, I know that you are the answer to my sin problem. I have a problem, and it's sin. And you are the solution to my problem because God loved me. And in that, I'm going to change my mind towards sin. And I'm asking to be born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. And in this moment, I confess that you are Lord. I surrender myself, and I give up. Man, if you know that God is pressing on you by his Holy Spirit, that this is your day and that this is your hour. And it's not because this is fire insurance so you don't uh, you don't fall under the wrath of God. Yes, we, we don't want to fall under the wrath of God. For those of who, who are saved, that should motivate us and compel us to be gospel, to be ones who speak truth for those who are lost, for those who are hurting, for those who bought into the lie of the enemy. That should compel us, but we're saved because of his grace, because he is kind and that he is good. And I just ask if you don't know Christ, that maybe this is your day, that you say, Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. And from this moment forward, I am repenting of sin, and I repent of sin, and I call sin, sin. I recognize the issue. I recognize the solution. And there's a reality check that God has judged. And I thank you for salvation. If this is your day, then it's on you as she sings to say, Lord, forgive me. I repent. Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And I surrender.